0: As you remain standing, let me encourage you to pick up a copy of God's Word and turn it to 2 Kings chapter 5 as we continue our series in great stories from the Old Testament. As we turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, it is my sincerest hope that God's Word will be a source of great confidence for us this evening Once again, 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. What I would like to do uh, as we move into our sermon time is to uh, read the first 14 verses of uh, this chapter. So uh, please follow along uh, and listen uh, to God's word to us and God's word for us. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, when this letter reaches you, Know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me? To cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He said to the king, saying, "'Why have you torn your clothes? "'Let him come now to me, "'that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. "'So Naaman came with his horses and chariots "'and stood at the door of Elisha's house. "'And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, "'Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, "'and your flesh shall be restored.' And you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Thus ends the reading of God's Word. Let's pray together. Our gracious and merciful Father in heaven, uh, we thank you that you alone have the power uh, in your Son and by your Spirit uh, to cleanse us from our sins. Father, as we work through this text together, uh, may you grant much encouragement, much confidence to us. Uh, may your go- Word go forth with great power and blessing for your people. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Amen. The Respect for Marriage Act. Well, according to Al Moeller, president of Southern Seminary, uh, this Respect for Marriage Act that seeks to codify the Supreme Court's decision to give legitimacy. Uh, to so-called same-sex marriage is anything but respect for marriage. Now, one of our, our principal concerns as God's people in Christ that such legislation uh, could restrict the religious liberty uh, that we have as an American people. Kind of the idea being that you know, it's okay if you believe in your heart and mind That marriage is that covenantal union between one man and one woman. But it's when you step out into the public square with that idea that the Department of Justice could come after you. Indeed, uh, that is of great concern to us. It's disappointing, it's distressing. But it is not a cause for despair. Indeed, we as God's people in Christ can still be a confident people in the midst of such legislation, in the midst of such concerns. We can continue to be calm, cool, and collected. We can be convinced that all will turn out well. Well, how is that the case for us? How is it a possibility that we can continue to remain confident in the midst of concern? Well, it is in turning to this divinely inspired text of 2 Kings 5 that we will be reminded this evening of our source of confidence in the midst of our concerns. Specifically, we're going to see in this passage that there are three realities that give us much confidence. As God's people in Christ, we are the beneficiaries of a greater knowledge. As God's people in Christ, we are the beneficiaries of a greater power. And finally, as God's people in Christ, we are the beneficiaries of a greater service. Now, as we come to the beginning of this passage, we find that uh, the people of God are in the midst of a time of concern. We see that uh, they are at war with the nation of Syria. Uh, And throughout Israel's history, at least at this point in time, there's kind of this back and forth between Syria and Israel. In some cases, Syria will gain the upper hand on Israel militarily on other occasions Israel will be victorious and triumphant against the people of Syria but in this particular moment we see that by god's providence under this commander named naaman uh, that syria is enjoying having the upper hand on israel we read as well too that uh, the nation of syria is conducting raids against the people of israel raids that include the abduction of god's people into the service of Syrian families. So we notice in verse 2 that on one occasion that the Syrians have raided against the people of Israel, they had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. For those of you that are parents and grandparents in the room, you can probably think of no greater tragedy and tragedy that befalls our children. Indeed, this is a great time of concern for the people of God, but there is every reason for confidence. Notice, if you will, that the little girl that we just referred to is the beneficiary of a greater knowledge. Now notice this great man, Naaman, by whom God has given victory to the people of Syria Over the people of Israel. This is a mighty man of war. This is a military strategist. This is someone who knows how to be successful in his campaigns, yet he does not have the knowledge enough to bring a cure to the disfigurement of skin that is known here as leprosy. Notice then the greater knowledge that this little girl has. She says in verse three, To her mistress, would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. In other words, what this great man Naaman does not know, this little girl who has been abducted into service, she has a greater knowledge of where Naaman can go to find healing for his condition. Notice verse 4, that Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. Again, striking that it's this little girl who knows where to go to find healing. Let's think about Elisha for just a moment. Uh, As we had heard last Sunday evening, uh, the great battle between the prophets of Baal and Elijah on Mount Carmel. Uh, that we heard from Seth preaching last Sunday night. Elijah hands over the baton of ministry, prophetic ministry, to this person by the name of Elisha. And as we look in the first part of 2 Kings, we realize the incredible work of this prophet Elisha. Like Moses, Elisha is one that is able to cause bitter water to become sweet He's able to call bears out of the forest to attack 42 young boys for verbally assaulting him. He causes the widow's oil to never run out so she can pay all of her debts. He's able to cause a woman's dead son to rise again. He can take a poisonous pot of stew and cause it to be edible. And like the Lord Jesus, we see Elisha multiplying loaves of bread to feed a group of people. We will turn in just a moment to the incredible power that is at work for the people of Israel in the prophet Elisha. But notice, if you will, as Naaman makes the trip to Israel to consult with Elisha, that we see that the little girl's knowledge is even greater than the king of Israel. Notice verse 6, with the permission of the king of Syria, a letter is brought to the king of Israel by Naaman, which reads, when this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Well, the king of Israel goes berserk. He goes out of his mind. How in the world is he supposed to affect that which the king of Syria is asking the king of Israel, comes to the conclusion that this is nothing more than an attempt on the part of king, the king of Assyria uh, to establish another battle against him. But again, we see that this little girl possesses a greater knowledge, that indeed there is one in Israel who is able to accomplish that for which Naaman doesn't know, and the king of Israel as well does not know. Indeed, my brothers and sisters, we have every reason for confidence in the midst of concern because we are the beneficiaries of a greater knowledge. When we think about something like the Respect for Marriage Act, surely we can say to ourselves that we know that marriage as established by God is the covenantal union between one man and one woman. That indeed is what marriage is and will always be. But even greater than that, we are the beneficiaries of the knowledge. That the Lord Jesus took that bitter cup of God's wrath against our sin so that we might know the sweetness of eternal reconciliation with our God. Indeed, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have escaped the wrath that is to come. In the Lord Jesus, we are the beneficiaries of every blessing that we could ever want. In the Lord Jesus, we have been raised from the deadness of sin to eternal life to eternal abundant life. And in the Lord Jesus, he who is the bread of life, we have eternal satisfaction. Indeed, it is that greater knowledge of which we are beneficiaries that gives us great confidence in the midst of concern. But notice, if you will, that from this passage, that not only are we as God's people in Christ the beneficiaries of a greater knowledge We are indeed the beneficiaries of a greater power. Notice, if you will, in verse 8. As the king of Israel is losing his mind over the request that is made, we see what Elisha does. When he hears that the king of Israel has torn his clothes, he sends to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me that he may know that indeed there is a prophet In Israel, Naaman makes his way then to the house of Elisha. And notice what Elisha does in verse 10. Doesn't even come to the front door. Elisha sends a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Well, Naaman quickly becomes incensed. He becomes enraged. How dare this man not even come to the door to address me? I thought that there was going to be some kind of a special ritual that he was going to to come out with. He was going to wave his hand over me, and, and all of a sudden, the leprosy is going to be gone. In addition, as we see here, Naaman goes on to say, Are there not cleaner waters that I could dip in to affect my cleansing from leprosy? But notice, if you will, just as the little girl has done, in providing to Naaman uh, the truth of where he can find his healing, we notice that his servants calm him down. Verse 13, they came near, said to him, My father, it's a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? As he actually said to you, wash and be clean. Indeed, Naaman does so. Verse 14, he dips himself seven times in the Jordan and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Already we see that the blessing of Abraham comes to the Gentiles. You know, it reminds me of another story, another military leader, this one who had come to the Lord Jesus with a great concern. If you'll remember, uh, this Roman centurion had a servant who was paralyzed and was suffering greatly. Jesus says to the Roman centurion, I will come and heal him. But do you remember what the Roman centurion said? He said, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. But if you just simply say the word, my servant will be healed After making a few comments on the the greatness of the Roman centurion's faith in comparison to all of Israel, Jesus simply says, go, let it be done as you have believed. And at that very moment, just by the spoken word, this suffering servant of this Roman centurion was miraculously healed. My friends, if the Lord Jesus, with his infinite Incomparable power is for us, who can be against us? Our Lord Jesus, who was equal with the Father, took the form of a servant, humbled himself, became obedient to the cross. He heals us from the destructive disease of sin. He transfers us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of the Son, whom he loves We've been redeemed. We've been healed by his stripes. We have every reason to be confident in the midst of concern because we are the beneficiaries of a greater power. We're the beneficiaries of a greater knowledge. We're the beneficiaries of a greater power. And notice, if you will, as we turn our attention to the rest of the chapter beginning with verse 15, that we are the beneficiaries of a greater service. Now, we're going to see that in a tragic contrast to the service that has been rendered to Naaman thus far as we take a look at the servant of Elisha, Gehazi. Now, notice, uh, if you will, uh, verse 15, that we see a genuine repentance on the part of Naaman. Notice in verse 15, when Naaman whose flesh is like that of a little child, he who has been cleansed by the power of Almighty God through the prophet Elisha, returns back to Elisha. He says, behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant. Notice how it is that Naaman's healing leads him to repentance and reconciliation with our God. Notice in verse 16, Elisha responds that he will not accept a gift from Naaman's hand. Naaman makes a couple of requests here. First of all, for two mule loads of earth from the land of Israel, that he may construct an altar when he is back in Syria to worship the one true God. Naaman even asked for forgiveness when he was required to worship a false idol with the king of Syria. Verse 19 Elisha simply tells him that he can go in peace. We continue to read in verse 19 that when Naaman goes just a short distance, Gehazi gets it into his mind. Verse 20, see, my master has spared this Naaman the Syrian and not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and I will get something from him. Indeed, Gehazi does so. He's able to secure silver, changes of clothes. Gehazi goes back to his house. He hides the items that he took from Naaman. But what Gehazi hid in his home, he could not hide from Elisha. Notice, if you will, verse 26, as Gehazi is once again with Elisha. Elisha says to Gehazi, did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you. Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper like snow. An incredibly tragic ending to this incredible, miraculous healing provided to Naaman. For just a moment, remember the little girl at the beginning of this chapter. Notice how she was in service to Naaman, not thinking of herself, but thinking of Naaman's concern, his need, the disfigurement of skin, the, the leprosy, and she knew that there was a prophet in Elisha or in Israel that could affect a healing, the man, Elisha. Remember when Naaman becomes incensed, when Elisha says, go to the Jordan River and dip seven times, when Naaman is about to walk away from what he is encouraged to do, it's his servants that come alongside, that calm him down, that convince him of the rightness of what Elisha says so that he can truly be healed. But in sad contrast, we see Gehazi Choosing a path of pride, of greed, of selfishness. Instead of finding himself enjoying the blessings of God, he now finds himself experiencing the displeasure of Almighty God. Well, my friends, just like Naaman, just like Naaman was the beneficiary of a great service on the part of that little girl, on the part of his servants, So indeed, we are the beneficiaries of an even greater service. You know, when we think about all that the Lord Jesus has accomplished for us in being that humble servant, going to the cross, rising again for us and for our reconciliation, for our eternal healing from the destructive work of sin, there is every reason for great. Confidence. Indeed, we face several, maybe many concerns as God's people in Christ. I referred to earlier this Respect for Marriage Act, right? Should we not be rightly concerned about some of the legislative and judicial trends that we are experiencing as Americans? But there is also global turbulence, nation is at war against nation. Some of us in this room are experiencing very difficult and challenging health crises. Some of us are very concerned about our children, whether they be children in our homes or children that are grown, living their lives independently. We're about to embark on a building expansion. There may be concerns that come with that. But in the midst of a people that have many and varied concerns, we indeed can be and must be a people of great confidence. Indeed, we are a people who are the beneficiaries of a greater knowledge for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We are the beneficiaries of a greater power. Indeed, God has made us alive together with Christ. As Paul writes in Colossians 2, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame triumphing over them in him finally we are the beneficiaries of a greater service mark writes that the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many we have every reason for confidence as God's people in Christ. Therefore, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But remember the warning of Gehazi. We are not to be a people who use our confidence as a source of arrogance. We are not to use our confidence by taking matters into our own hands. Oh, indeed, may our confidence be consistent with the example of our powerful servant Savior, the Lord Jesus. Let us, like him, with much humility and with much love, serve others in love, even when treated uncruelly, even when treated unkindly, even when we're in the midst of much concern. Let's pray. Father, how thankful we are to be a people who are the beneficiaries of all that you have accomplished for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Father, we pray that that confidence this evening as we've been reminded of it, may it be a source of great encouragement in the midst of our concerns. And may it lead us in the path of the footsteps of our Lord Jesus as we seek to live in humility and love to those around us. Grant us that grace for your glory, we ask, and it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let us rejoice then in all that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ.